and 7. Undeserved grace. And one thing that I want to emphasize here is that we as a people truly need to appreciate what Jesus Christ has done for us. And I think that's what we are emphasizing more than anything in this particular study. Um, That's what the takeaway should be for this study. And in our efforts to disciple other people, we need to be able to express that very thing as well, too, about our appreciation for what Christ has done for us and what we need to recognize in those things that he has put before us, what he has brought to us, what he has kept us from, from a protection standpoint, from his healing, uh, from uh, just from his grace and his mercy. Uh, Those are things that we are learning about here and looking at more and more. Let me go ahead and let's look to the Lord with a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, we just thank you for what you have continued to do to us, to for us, to continue to teach us, to help us to learn and understand more about who you are in our lives. We thank you for this time that you give to us in Sunday school just to sit and reflect on your word, on what you say to us. We also thank you for the private time that you have granted to us away from here to be able to sit quietly and hear you speak to us through your word. We pray for having more of a heart for you, that we can communicate with others what that truly means. Lord, you call us to be disciples to all people. You call us to be able to speak about your truth to others, and not just in actions, but in words too. We thank you for what you give to us to help us with that very endeavor. We thank you for giving us the sensitivity to be able to yield to the Spirit in all discussion, to be able to see and discern the appropriate time to speak to someone. Sometimes, Lord, it's important just to say nothing, and yet other times it's important for us to be sensitive and be ready to speak when called upon. We thank you for those lessons. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who gives us this ability to discern. We give you praise and thanks for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We were on page two um, in the middle of this study, and we were using the words safety and danger, specifically in reference to the quote that C.S. Lewis made about goodness is either the great safety or the great danger according to the way you react to it. And this had to do with understanding if you indeed, you know, you look at pain and loss and you look at suffering and difficulty and it's about the ability to transition from just dwelling on this suffering and loss and being able to come back and say, do you really deserve to have God's grace? forgiveness, and peace. This is a universal truth. No matter what you're going through in life, when you focus on God, there is an immediate sense of peace. That is a universal truth because that is the nature of God's character coming out to you. And that doesn't, it doesn't really matter what you're going through. It could be just one of the worst things ever. But if you reach out to the Lord and ask Him for help through that situation, He will give you peace. 
Now, that thing about comfort and recognizing comfort has to kind of lie with you. Because he is going to do those very things for you and give you that comfort, but you have to also recognize it. And that's what is very important for us to see. When you look at the fact that you're here for a reason and a purpose, he is not going to abandon you in your reason and purpose for living. You're here for that ability to be able to look to other people and reach out to other people and speak about the love of Christ. Isn't it interesting that people who have been through trauma in life and God has spared them from that trauma long term and now those people can actually speak to others who go through trauma about their own experience. Isn't that amazing how God does that? If a person has been through a divorce... Now that person has the ability, because of their own life experience, to speak about divorce to others and help counsel other people through those situations. We don't understand how God operates, but we do know that he does operate for a reason and a purpose. But the ultimate purpose is to glorify him. Through your words, through your actions, through your discipling, through your conversation, that's what we're all about. And that's what we should be all about. And our ability to be able to move forward and understand God's goodness through grace, peace, and forgiveness is very, very important for us to see. If you are stuck on these issues where you just don't see it, you can't ultimately be effective in ministering and discipling others. You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day, but we're, we, are, we are called, all called ministers. And that may trip some people up a little bit because, you know, when you first think about ministry, you think about someone who is a pastor. But we have to understand what ministry really is. Ministry really is about you speaking about your life experiences to other people and sharing the gospel with others. That's what ministry is. Ministry is giving someone a cup of water if they're thirsty. Ministry is feeding someone when they're hungry. Ministry is fellowshipping with other believers and sharing God's goodness. That's what ministry is. And I think that that's important for us to take away from this study as well, too. We don't always have it great, but we do have it good. Does everybody understand that? We don't always have it great, but we do have it good. And that sounds like a conflict. But if you really understand what God has been doing for you in your life, you understand that that makes perfect sense. You know, there were times in my life when things weren't always great. And what I had to make a decision about was, am I going to dwell in this time where things were just lousy and horrible, or was there something more to look forward to? 
The greatest gift that God has given all of us is hope. Hope. Hope for a brighter day. Hope for better things. Hope for improvement. Hope for seeing things on the other side of when things are bad. Hope is a wonderful gift that we have. So you can imagine when someone says that they don't have any hope, that's a person that needs to be bathed in prayer. Because they have to be able to see this hope in order to determine what's best and what's going to be better going forward. (laughs) Okay. So when we look at these words, safety and danger, we read those sentences, and then we put a star next to those things that represented our reaction to God's grace in your life. Well, let me ask you a question before we go forward here about this thing about grace. What does grace mean to you personally? I just want to see there are different definitions of it based upon your own personal experience. It may be that this grace is something that's totally different from one person to the next. doesn't mean that it's not grace, but what does grace mean to you? Everybody talks about God's goodness. We've talked about those things. We understand that. But it has to be something that's personally recognized. What does God's grace mean to you? Okay. Very good. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's two different definitions right there, isn't it? Who else? Yes, I'm sorry. For me, when I when I think about what I am and who I am, uh, grace for me means I certainly have not deserved anything that He's imparted. Amen. Okay. That's an excellent point. Do you understand that you recognize who you are because 99 times out of 100, you're in the flesh? And when you're in the flesh, you recognize that you don't deserve anything that God gives to you. It's when you recognize that and you ask for his forgiveness, he gives it to you. Because you're actually turning to him for this rest and comfort from this feeling that you have being in the flesh, knowing that you've done stuff you shouldn't have done. And yet there he is and he does it for you. And he does it without making any conditions. Well, I'll forgive you if you do this and this. He doesn't do that to you. We do stuff to him to put conditions on him because of our fleshly nature, but he does not do those things to you. So, yes, that's an excellent point and something for us to recognize that he does pull us up out of the miry clay, as Pastor Gus would say. He would do those very things and lift you up 
and give you the ability to see something better, something to look forward to, something to pull you out of whatever malaise you're in. That's grace. It's woven into his forgiveness, of course. It's woven into his very good nature. But that's what grace is. Because he sees that you are worth the time. You're worth it. You have a worth. You have a value as a person. What we typically will do as human beings is we devalue ourselves. This isn't psychological talk. This is truth talk. We will devalue ourselves because we will feel as though, God, you don't need to do anything. I'm not worthy of your time. I'm not worthy of this. A lot of unbelievers use that same logic. But we get caught up in it too because of the flesh. So when you hear someone and it's time to talk to them about this self-value thing, You've got to come back and reinforce them. No, God thinks that you're worth the time. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And that's what it comes down to. You're worth the time. I mean, why do we pray for other people? You pray for other people because they're on your mind. They're on your heart. You esteem them to have a value in that you will pray for them. Because you want to see them do better, get better, have more, be better, whatever that means. I mean, why do you pray for your spouses? You might be doing well, your spouse might not be doing so well. You pray for your spouse because you want to do what? You want to see better. You deem her to have value. You deem her to be important in your life. That's a very obvious statement because it's your spouse. It's only so obvious, I suppose, in some relationships. But these are things we need to keep in mind as we talk about this thing called grace. Yeah. Well, he knows it's, he knows my future. He knows that day to day what I'm going to go through. Does that bother you? No. Doesn't? Okay. It gives me comfort because when I'm going through something, mm-hmm. he gives me scripture. Okay. He puts me right in the way. So that I can verify what I'm doing is not done. Right. It's okay. Okay. Exactly. Very good. That's why we emphasized a couple of weeks ago, more than once, about being in the Word. Being in the Word is a critical element of your development in Jesus Christ. You know, some of us have Bibles open right now and are looking at them. Because you're looking at that word and what that word says. And you want to be reinforced by that. You know, one of the readings this, you know, if you're following the two-year Bible plan, we're in Revelation right now. And depending upon which year you're looking at, I suppose. But in Revelation chapter 22, we're talking about the great things that God has done and the provision he'll have for us. No more crying. No more suffering. Tears being wiped away. What a glorious thing to look forward to. Those are things that we need to always look at and be reinforced about why we do what we do. We need to see in God's Word 
there is a promise of a greater thing for us to be involved in. But until we get there, we still have a responsibility to recognize God's character, his goodness, his grace. When we looked at these statements on page two about the importance of noticing grace versus not noticing grace, being humbled by grace, being grateful for grace, deserving goods, God's kindness brings me blank because I can develop pride, thinking you deserve it. In other words, we've already concluded in our study that we don't deserve anything. If anything, we deserve God's wrath because of his nature. Unholiness versus holiness. We deserve his wrath. And yet, out of the goodness of God, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for us. And that's the wonderful thing about the Christmas season and talking about Jesus. I love watching a Charlie Brown Christmas. We always know how that show ends. We've seen it dozens of times. But what a great gospel message right in the middle when Linus gets up and talks about that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Talking about Jesus. That is something we always need to hang our hat on when it comes to why we do what we do. Christmas is all about Jesus Christ. Being born for the purpose of taking care of our sin in his flesh. It's a great reminder every year. And frankly, I've seen it. I've got the show, you know, on my hard drive. I can watch it anytime I want to, but I look forward to watching it on TV because of that message. And interestingly enough, back in the 60s when he wrote, when that was written for TV, it almost never made it and it was never, never got any further than where it was because... You know, people thought this might be one of the most boring programs ever put on TV because of all the jazz and stuff that's interwoven with it. But the message in there about commercialism was a very strong message. Commercialism of Christmas. Go get an aluminum tree was the message there because it was commercialized. Is it really that different today? It's the same thing. Christmas has been commercialized so that we have a number of different Christmas programs on television that talk about anything and everything but Jesus. So talk about a timeless message in that show. But it's a great reminder for us about what we do. Why do we go through what we do as believers in Jesus Christ? It's because of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. We don't deserve anything. We should be grateful for what he has given to us. Now, one of those things that was mentioned here at the, on page three at the top, where it talked about rephrasing the statements into a prayer of either correction or protection. Pause now and pray or write your prayer on the following page. Be willing to share your prayer with your Bible study buddy or a friend. In other words, if you're struggling with this whole idea about grace, if you're struggling with really seeing what God is doing for you personally, you should pray about it. 
You should pray about anything where you have questions with God about what's going on. He invites that from you. Do you realize that? It's not like you can't come and question or ask questions of God about understanding something. If you're sitting in a classroom and there's a professor in front of you and you have something that you don't quite get after you've done your reading and done your studying, you'd be silly not to raise your hand and ask a question. A lot of folks don't ask questions because they're afraid of being embarrassed. And some of us believers who want to look like we've got it all together won't ask questions before other people. Well, now now you're dealing with something totally different. Now you're dealing with pride. Because all of us are students of the Bible. Even people who have been doing it for many, many years should be seeking the Lord at all times and learning more and more every day. Pride is the opposite of humility. You can't experience God's grace without humility. You can't. It's not possible. Because if you're not humble, then you don't think you need his grace. So these sentences that were rendered here before are very important for us to look at and make sure that you are doing everything you can to recognize that he indeed has grace for you. It's grace for you. It's grace to you. It's whenever you call upon him. And you experience it. And just going back to what Christ did on the cross for us, you already know that that grace is there. We need to always go back to sometimes the basics and recognize God's goodness. Amen? Any questions about that? Sometimes God has been so generous to us, we fall into an entitlement mentality. If we apply entitlement thinking to our suffering, as in, I don't deserve to suffer, well, excuse me, we'll come back to that, means we must apply it to our sin too. I don't deserve to be forgiven. There is an entitlement mentality there. Now, that's really kind of a weird way of thinking. I don't deserve to suffer. I don't deserve to be forgiven. Well... That means you've got some work to do understanding who God truly is. Understand something. Just as we had different answers to the questions about grace, we might have different opinions about who God truly is, even in the believer community. I don't make the assumption, I don't think Pastor Gus makes the assumption either, that everybody who comes into his church is saved. Or everybody who he's been associated with over the years is saved. Which means there have to be different interpretations personally about who God is by those individuals. And what keeps a person, honestly, from not getting saved? After you break it all down and put it under a foundational situation, it's a pridefulness. That keeps a person from seeking Jesus Christ. Pridefulness. You never want to see somebody have a comeuppance because it's almost painful to watch. But sometimes that has to happen. 
for a person who is prideful to really see what God can do. We want to be entitled to the benefit of God's grace, but not subject to the burden of our sin. The author, Jennifer Rothschild, hits this right on the head. We want God's grace, but we don't want to take responsibility for our sin. Well, if you don't take responsibility for your sin, where is the forgiveness? There isn't any. If you don't take responsibility for your sin, that's what's very important for us to see here. If you want to experience God's grace, you have to deal with sin. Sin in your life has to be dealt with. And frankly, if we're honest about it, we are dealing with it pretty much all day long and every day. And that's fine because that's our flesh. But unless you say, Lord, I screwed up. Lord, forgive me. You can't experience his grace. Which also means you can't experience peace. Because you realize that you're just living in the flesh and you're really not peaceful. You're not content. You know too much. As a believer, you know more than the average person who doesn't know the Lord. You know that you have a spirit who's going to keep knocking on your window. And you can either acknowledge or just let him keep knocking. Yes. He has his standards. Look at the book of Malachi. Malachi is like a conversation. Conversation between the God and his people. And the conversation keeps going, well, when did we deny you, Lord? When did we not do this? When did we do this? Didn't we do these things? And the Lord keeps saying, you've been denying me the entire time. But there's always this message, even after when you read through Malachi. All he's asking is for his people to turn back to him and look to him. When have you, have you, have you given, you know, have you, uh, the idols, you've held back your good stuff and you've given, put stuff on the altar, stuff that was already blemished, which was clearly contrary to his word. You haven't given your best. You haven't done your best for me. You haven't offered your best. When did we do those things? Well, you probably just did it yesterday. 
there's a denial that we suffer from sometimes as believers, as people. We have to come out of that denial. All he wants us to do is just be honest and come to him and seek after him. And from there, there's immediate grace. You can read it in the words on the page. The point is we can't have one thing and not the other. In other words, we can't talk about God's grace and not deal with our sin. If we really want to experience our own wholeness, we must take God in his wholeness. <laughs> May we never sit in first class you know, on an airplane and complain about the letter chair or the food. <laughs> if, you're, if you're sitting in first class on an airplane and you're talking about this food sucks, Take this stuff back. I want something else. Or you don't want those leather chairs knowing where we sit. Well, we don't sit in first class. No. We're usually hunched up. And they aren't leather chairs either. Now, if you're that kind of a person, man, we you have a conversation with you. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> we were granted what we did not deserve. If you're mired in difficulty that may feel a tinge unfair, focus on the divine unfairness that will sustain you. Yeah. And that's something we need to see here in this particular study. Now, it should be helpful for us to always, when we're discipling other people, when we talk about life in general, it's not about telling your whole life story and, and pouring yourself out before someone you're trying to disciple, but... God gives you bits and pieces that you can use and talk to people about how, grace, how much grace he's shown to you. Key points here. Self-worth, forgiveness, goodness, and the word grace. You are something. You are someone. And you need to convey to other people that you're discipling that they have a value. You know, I hate to get back down to the fact that you wouldn't be here if you didn't, but that does kind of fit into the play here. You do have a value as a person. They have a value as a person. You need to esteem them in that way, too. And tell them that you're going to pray for them and then really mean it. Really mean it. If you've got a one-on-one -on -one conversation with someone about the Lord and you've been talking to them and you've been counseling them, you need to be praying for them. When you're with them and when you're not with them. Praying for them. I'll share something with you that um, came up recently, and my dad, you know, God love him, he, he shares when it's relevant. It's not my dad. It's not about my dad. It's about my, my half-sister, my sister Gigi. And my dad did the, the great thing of, of, of getting remarried and having a child at a very uh, older age. So my half-sister... Is, I'm 59 and she's 30. So do the math. Uh, my, dad is, my dad was, he said, you got yourself into this one. I said, yes, yes, I did, he did. So, but what I had learned um, since the time when I had been talking to my dad a couple of times on the phone is that my, my, my sister had a drug problem and she uh, was living in Atlanta and she was... Um, making a lot of really goofy decisions. You know, when, when you don't really know what your self-worth is, 
you get caught up in crowds around you and people around you. And we're guilty of this too, by the way, as adults. So, you know, she's 30, so we're guilty of this stuff too. If you, get, if you don't have a sense of self-worth, you will latch on to anything and anybody you think that's going to help you achieve this self-worth. But it's all artificial. It's not real. So she had a drug problem of some sort, got pregnant, lost her job in Atlanta. She sold her car for like about $1,000. That was her sense of transportation. So she had been taking Uber to work. Well, anybody who knows anything about taking Uber or Lyft to going from place to place, that's not cheap. Just dumb stuff, okay? And now... To preface this, she graduated from Case Western Reserve University with a degree in psychology. So she's not a dumb person. She knows what's right to do, but she has been struggling with this whole thing about self-worth apparently for quite some time. She got pregnant. She just had her baby. Um, baby's name is Tristan. It's a boy. On the 20th of December. And will be going into a different rehab and this is after just kind of scuffling and, and, and fighting and not wanting anybody to do anything with her. She just wanted to go her own way and all that, where clearly that wasn't working. So I keep her in prayer now all the time. You know, we, don't, we don't talk much because she's, you know, she's in Atlanta and you know, she's, like, she's like a baby sister that you know, I never knew that I would have a sister, frankly. But... Um, Someone like that that you know of, doesn't have to be a family member, it could be a friend or whatever it is, you need to be praying for them when you're with them and when you're not with them because of the stuff that they're going through. And you're praying for God to just have an epiphany with them. And we're prayerful, Lynn and I, that this baby that she has now, this Tristan, who we don't, the father is not involved with, Tristan Diaz Gaines is the baby's name. So that's my nephew? Yeah, nephew. So, beautiful baby. But sometimes stuff comes at you and you just don't know where it comes from and then you have to be able to respond to it and only God can help you with the right words, the right answers, the right opportunities. And I'm prayerful that I'll be able to speak to her and have a conversation with her. And Unfortunately, because of who I am, you know, and this is, I always worry about this with all my kids, that, you know, if they do something wrong, they're not going to come to me. You know what I mean? Because they, they know that I'm doing what I do. It's a guilt trip type thing. So, I pray that that changes too. But God has to be the one that gives grace and peace to all of us. And, you know, if what my sister is going through, G- Gianella, what, what she's going through, she can come through it. God is gracious enough to, to deliver her from what she's been dealing with. And now, because of what she was involved in, she's actually going to have a story to tell other people. Yes. Yep. Pieces, parts. Yep. Absolutely. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Raise it up. And that's why we have to meditate on his word. That's the whole importance. It's not, it's not just reading it. It's really just taking the time now to let it soak in. Now, what is the purpose? When you cook a turkey, don't you have to let it sit a certain way and it has to cook a certain way before it really tastes good? Well, that's what we need to be doing with God's Word, too. Yes, I'm sorry. Okay. And I was telling the Lord, I said, I know what this is. I know what I'm going to talk about. Right. Because I know I went in the commentary, I know I learned the dad, I know so ultimately Lord, you wrote it. Mm-hmm. So would you illuminate the truth? And usually when I pray that, he does, whether it's through radio, whether it's through hearing another message, but he gives us yeah, he gets the meat of what he's trying to say. My point is sometimes we read like God said sure. without trusting that he has the ability to really the Holy Spirit has to be the one to illuminate the text. But God challenges us to ask. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, with that snapshot, you can't imagine how you could find yourself in a situation versus someone else found mm-hmm. themselves in a situation. Right. But I guarantee you, before all of the fireworks started to happen, that could never happen to me. I'm a graduate from Cape Western as well. Mm-hmm. I have a degree. Mm-hmm. That could happen to people not like me. Right. Which is an arrogance because most people have that arrogance. In a snapshot of time, those things could never happen to me. In this particular situation or that particular situation, I'm always going to be born. And then all of a sudden, life happens. And then it's like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. That's God's grace. That's right. That's God's grace right there. That's right. Now you have a conversation. And then you can put the situation 
That's right. I am seeking to lift myself. Pretty much everybody in this room has had one of those moments. Some of us more than others. That's right. But that's God's grace. So the crazy thing about what you're saying is is that there's somebody in this room, somebody in her life that she may know, may not know, Mm -hmm. that can talk to her right now where she is and say, I know exactly what you're going through. That's right. That's right. That's right. And then go on to share some things that is going on with them that's not going on with her. Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm talking to you right now is because let this be all you need right now. Mm-hmm. Because Bible discussed, you know, young lady said to me, she's much older now, y'all, some of y'all know her. It ain't about integrity. It can get worse. That's right. Until it gets worse. And then it's kind of like, well, Jesus, where are you at? I've been here the whole time. I'm yeah. waiting on you. That's right. So That's right. Um, just bear that in mind because mm-hmm. we're all one step away from needing more of God's grace. Well, on top of the grace that right. we already get. That's all I'm going to say. And you, and you have to come back and say something like, I'm glad the girl's alive. Amen. Start so you start, with, you start with that, okay? Because we know a lot of folks who have been messing around with stuff. And it doesn't even have to be heavy-duty stuff, and they die. So I'm, I'm thankful for the fact that she's still around, and there's still an opportunity for her to learn more. But God can use her. She is at a crossroads, no question. She, she's got a, there's, there, that's why the prayer has to happen. That's why we need to make sure that God is continuing to intervene and make sure that she is doing that she's open to hearing what he has to say. Yes. Absolutely. And her dad but talks about the Lord too all the time. I yeah. would not be surprised in the future if Chris starts to go to the synagogue. Yeah. You know, and I don't know what you know, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yep. I am prayerful that that happens. That's right. Yep. Let that be a lesson for all of us, just to keep those things in mind, because things happen throughout the different parts of your life, and you have to be ready to deal with them, uh, just in prayer. And we have to end, but go ahead. Uh, uh, one more. You had... Right. He's here with me uh, for years. He just was a ratchet husband to his wife. Okay. Doing all kinds of things, positive stepping out, and, and you know. But he said what got him to serve in the Lord, he said he looked up one day and he realized, he said it was so scary. Uh, I won't call the name, but he said, you guys know. No names. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he had a wonderful life that he 
Okay. Nothing happened. He didn't get caught with nothing. I mean, just he's just uh, for whatever reason the Lord just hit him, and he's now serving him and Fabulous. That's what needs God needs to be the one to intervene. That's what we have to understand from all of this, and He does. All right, let's let's close out in prayer. Father, we just thank you again for how you are speaking to us through the experiences of others. And Lord, sometimes you speak to us through our own experiences as well. And they can be quite humbling, and yet they can be quite revealing um, to, as to who we are and where we need to be when it comes to our relationship with you. We thank you for teaching us. We thank you for taking the time with us. We thank you for showing us our self-worth. We don't deserve anything, but yet you give it to us. And that alone means that we do have a worth in your eyes. We thank you for loving us for who we are in spite of ourselves. We thank you for teaching us. We thank you for giving us the ability to understand the words that we read through the power of the Spirit because we seek after knowledge and understanding. We thank you for how you can speak to us and how you enable us to speak to others about your truth. We pray now for the upcoming message in the speaker. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time in a new year. Praise the Lord. Amen.